honestly expressing yourself. Now, it is very difficult to do. I mean, it is, it is easy for me to put on a show and be cocky yeah. and be flooded with a cocky feeling and then yeah. feel like pretty cool and all that. Or I can f make all kinds of phony thing, you see what I mean? Blinded by it. Or I can show you some f really fancy movement. But to express oneself honestly, not lying to oneself, and to express myself honestly, not that, my friend, is very hard to do, and you have to train. You have to keep your reflexes so that when you want it, it's there. When you want to move, you're moving. And when you move, you are determined to move, not taking one inch, not anything less than that. If I want to punch, I'm gonna do it, man, and I'm gonna do it, you see? So I mean, so that is the type of thing you have to train yourself into it, to become one with the... Hey everyone, my name's Frank, and this is the 18th episode of the podcast. I have been, I guess again, kind of reluctant to record. I've just been feeling um, really anxious, or I guess anxious isn't the word. I guess I just get really shy every time I sit down to record, and my heart starts to race, and it's kind of annoying because the whole point of doing something like this is to share and to talk, but when I'm shy and nervous, um, I pause a lot more and I have crutches like um and you know and things like that and it's harder for me to like connect two thoughts I guess and I don't know, it kind of goes against what I'm trying to do, but anyways, um, I... I guess I've just been feeling weird about it and trying to put it off lately, but this week I recorded one episode thinking that um, it would be the next one, and it was like 45 minutes long, and it was kind of meandering and all over the place, and I don't know, I just felt like, at least my baseline assumption is no one wants to hear me talk for like more than 20 to 25 minutes at a time, and I don't mean that in like a self-deprecating way. I just mean sort of like the context of this show and kind of the vibe of it is I feel like short and sweet and uh, given the subject matter, it's kind of better to keep it uh, simple and light rather than kind of one of those like longer podcasts. Uh, and so I kind of turned the 45 minute uh, episode into like three parts so this is going to be like a three-part episode um, maybe like uh, kind of like a series and uh, yeah I recorded the first one before but I used a different like voice recorder app and the sound quality was so bad so here I am recording again which whatever um, but hopefully this format in the three parts will keep it very cohesive and very organized, which I guess I kind of like. I wish I could be one of those like cool podcasts who just go on in a very free form, uh, open way. Um, it just seems so much cooler and so much more laid back, but 
Um, I guess I just feel a little bit more comfortable sharing when it's a little bit more organized and structured uh, compared to like last week's episode, which I liked and thought it was fine, but it was just a lot more freeform than I'm used to doing. At least I felt it was that way. And so the subject for these three episodes is called The Service of the Artist. And this is something I've just been thinking about a lot, uh, honestly forever, but especially over the last few months. And uh, it's just something I kind of wanted to put into words and share and um, hoping it kind of resonates with others. Because I've been thinking, you know, the service of the artist, like how um, someone who makes art uh, offers a contribution to the collective, right? Um, And I'm hesitant. I just kind of want to preface this by saying, like, I'm very hesitant to call myself an artist. I don't think I ever have or do. Um, I don't know. It just feels weird taking yourself. It feels like you're taking yourself that seriously and um, feels like kind of an un, a, a useless like label. Um, like I'm not really sure what it does, but and also there's the fear of being of sounding kind of prideful or sounding kind of like yeah, just like taking yourself too seriously. And um, I guess technically I could say that I have invested a certain amount of time into creating certain objects that could be considered artistic. Um, But I don't know. But that's a subject that I'll talk about later today, too, because there's this sense that, you know, we sort of uh, self-deprecate or minimize or apologize or set a preface for what we're doing as a way of undercutting it so as to not seem too prideful or too um, self-serious. And that's something I've been thinking a lot about, too. But thinking of the artist um, as a service, right? I guess this started with the idea that I feel like a widely understood or generally kind of understood archetype of the artist is that they're somewhat self-indulgent or pretty self-indulgent, right? Because rather than doing anything that is... um, in more concrete terms, practical or logical or um, a little bit more of a literal contribution, right? Like, um, especially in terms of being in service to others, but even not like making a business or something like that. The artist is investing their time and going inward and indulging their kind of like artistic desires and Um, their own inner world and then producing something from that that technically has no inherent value and doesn't in any kind of literal way uh, benefit anyone else. So it seems kind of solipsistic, kind of narcissistic, kind of self-indulgent. And I was thinking about that and wondering if there are ways to add a level of nuance or complicate it or challenge it. Um, because I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think it can be true, obviously, um, but I don't think that's that's true 100% of the time. And thinking about where to start in this conversation, 
and thinking about this idea of self-indulgence. I was thinking about uh, the distinction between self-expression and art um, and what the difference between them is and uh, when self-expression crosses a certain line and becomes a little bit more than just that and becomes art or a lot more than that and becomes art. And I feel like self-expression gets a pretty bad rep these days. I feel like when I keep my ear to the ground and listen, kind of things I've heard from, I don't know, just research and reading or friends and whatever, uh, other podcasts or something, um, I feel like self-expression gets a rep as something that is, again, self-indulgent, um, kind of narcissistic, kind of solipsistic, like the person is technically just expressing themselves, right? They're sort of expressing themselves and then imposing that on others and sharing it when technically no one has asked for that, no one wants that, no one needs to hear that um, or see that. And I guess to a certain extent, that's true, right? Um in that like no one is technically asking for it, but that is especially in terms when self-expression is shared, not just done. And I think that's one of the distinctions I wanted to talk about. Um, But going back to the distinction between self-expression and art, art is something that involves a lot more skill and a lot more craft and technique and um, artistic vision and eye rather than just expressing yourself. So It's the difference between a journal and uh, a novel, right? Like one is sculpted and crafted and the other is just stream of consciousness, uh, whatever is on the mind of the writer. Um, And obviously the novel is sort of uh, privileged as the higher art form. And I totally get that um, and am not arguing with that. But I do sort of want to challenge the sort of like um, very simplistic idea that self-expression is just narcissistic and egotistical. Um, Because, like I said before, I think it's it's more egotistical in the way that it's shared than in the way that it's done. Um, like, cause technically everyone expresses themselves all day long, especially on social media, right? It's like, you know, everyone is posting and talking and I don't know, uh, contributing to the quote unquote larger cultural conversation. I mean, not everyone does, but many do. Right. And of course there is something kind of irritating and annoying about it or something like that. Right. That where it's like kind of just becomes more um more loud and more of an echo chamber than uh feels productive and it feels like everyone is very eager to share their thought um about something as if that thought matters right and again not challenging that you know i'm not necessarily saying that i'm i'm trying to take a little bit more of an open um position and just sort of take each thing as its own instead of sort of uh, generalizing. Um, But I just want to say, I guess, that I understand that idea that uh, 
self-expression, especially like online, um, is kind of unasked for and unnecessary and doesn't technically do anything, right? When someone's just like on Instagram or Twitter or whatever. But I think self-expression um, on its own, before it is um, shared, can be a very healing practice. You know, there's obviously the journal as a medium is known to be like a therapeutic technique and a very healing um, like modal- modality for writing. And I think that is because at least for me, as I understand it, it's because you are expressing yourself without the influence of an audience or without the awareness of an audience, which then gives you the sense of uh, freedom and liberty to kind of just say whatever you want, to just be yourself and to sort of let all of those persona and facades and ways that we um, like modify ourselves for others. We can let all that go and just express ourselves in our most truest um, way um, and most sort of like uh, honest way, right? Uh, And this is especially healing for someone, let's say, who like uh, grows up in a home where they're not really allowed to express themselves or to voice themselves and they're constantly being silenced and then they sort of grow up in a way where they always uh, minimize themselves and minimize their voice and avoid taking up space. Um, And so expressing themselves could be a really uh, healing technique in terms of uh, releasing some of those like throat chakra blocks and finally voicing themselves, right? Um, Or for someone who uh, doesn't really have a sense of themselves and doesn't really know what they want to say and doesn't really know who they are, by sort of investigating their own heart and investigating their own mind and sort of trying to uh, express something real, they gain a deeper sense of themselves and again a deeper sense of self-awareness, which again is very healing, especially for someone who doesn't feel like they have that. And uh, I'm thinking of Carl Jung, um, with his word experiments, um, his word association experiments, where he would just sort of like let one word lead to the next and lead to the next. And that was one of his uh, practices for exploring his own unconscious. And I mean, I would like to read those, though I understand that maybe everyone doesn't want to, but those weren't intended to be read by anyone, at least I don't think. And so, uh, But what you do see when you look at them or when you look at the idea of someone doing that practice is someone um, trying to get to know themselves better and trying to dig deeper into their unconscious. And uh, that's, of course, a really valuable practice and um, I think a really healing one. Uh, It's just, you know, when someone sort of maybe imposes their self-expression on someone else where that gets a little tricky. You know, I could definitely think that I'm doing that right now. But the way that I've rationalized that is that I think that with the medium of a podcast is someone has to kind of go out of their way to listen to it. They have to go look for it. Whereas 
maybe one of the more immediate social media platforms like Twitter or Instagram, the very nature of it is that you actually don't filter what you see. The algorithm does it for you. And so by posting into that algorithm, it kind of just, you know, hits someone before they get to decide if they want to see it or not. And like I was saying before about the Carl Jung thing, like I would want to read those, right? Like I think that there is a certain pleasure in reading something that wasn't intended to be read, right? Like that's why we read uh, the letters and the journals of other writers and artists, you know, of course, retroactively after the fact, right? Usually after they've passed or something. And there is a real sort of like enjoyment in observing the sort of like uh, pathways of their mind and their sort of like modes of meaning making and how they sort of link different ideas. And uh, it's kind of like the pleasure of being nosy, of like knowing things that maybe you aren't supposed to, maybe uh, getting a sense of something that's private. Um, I think, I feel like I remember in college the like jargon word was like scopophilic or something it's like you know I feel like in that context it was more about the you know quote-unquote male gaze or whatever and sort of uh, critiquing that um, from that viewpoint and sort of the oppression of the scopophilic or male gaze or whatever but uh, I think that there is a real pleasure in that uh, and as a reader, right? And kind of enjoying that kind of text and knowing that, you know, this is when the writer had all of their defenses and uh, down, including the defenses of artistic technique and craft. So um, it can be really enjoyable. And I was thinking about this quote from David Foster Wallace, who I'm really hesitant to talk about because he's kind of like, the pinnacle of the intellectual literary figure of our time, right? Um, and I don't know, maybe it can seem a little bit pretentious or something. And I haven't even read that much of him anyway, so I don't really know too much about him. But I did read this essay that he wrote about being on set at uh, on the set of David Lynch's movie Lost Highway. And he was talking about artistic style and how different artists engaged the viewer and He described um, self-expression as watching someone masturbate, as creating art as sex itself. So whereas a piece of art really engages the reader or the viewer in like a very deep, um, visceral way, a piece of uh, self-expression is sort of just like watching someone do that without being included. So there's a little bit less engagement um, because you're a little bit more detached and you're a little bit, you know, at arm's length from the artist and what they're making. But again, I think that there can still be a level of, um, there could be a benefit to that. There could be um, uh, an enjoyment of that. Um, You know, obviously that's something very literally that some would enjoy, but I just mean obviously in the context of art making. 
um, and uh, when self-expression turns into art. And I felt like that was a really good distinction between the two processes and the two kinds of different modes. And so, yeah, I feel like self-expression is the first step for an artist to make anything. Like, you kind of need to build the marble block before you can sculpt it. I feel like you need to create the raw material before you turn it into a sculpted piece or a a crafted piece. And uh, I feel like that takes deep self-investigation, deep self-knowledge, and deep self-awareness that comes from the kind of like uncomfortable cringe or like, you know, unsettling aspects of uh, true self-awareness and or true self-expression. And I say true because I feel like what's most quote unquote annoying about a lot of the self-expression that, you know, goes on today or whatever, is that it's not actual self-expression. It's usually just um, being a mouthpiece for an idea that you've already heard and are sort of just refiltering through your own perspective without really changing much. And so it kind of becomes that, you know, echo chamber that everyone kind of talks about these days. And no one technically sounds different from anyone else. Everyone is just parroting the same thing back and forth to each other. And I don't think that that's self-expression. I think that that's just, again echoing, parroting, um, mimicking, reflecting. But I feel like true self-expression requires that we are a little bit more vulnerable and, you know, there's a little bit more at risk when we're genuinely expressing ourselves. And that you have to appreciate, at least I do, if I were to see someone uh, like just posting or a piece of art or, well, not a piece of art, a piece of self-expression, I would appreciate it if it was genuine and honest and, you know, made the writer feel uncomfortable or, or vulnerable or seen in a way. Um, whereas on the flip side, the kind of echoing that I was talking about before, I think that that's a very comfortable way of voicing yourself because you're hearing something that someone else has already said, so you know what the response will be, and you kind of know how you'll be perceived, and presumably you'll be perceived in a way that feels uh, aligned with who you want to be perceived as. And so it's this whole sort of like construction of a social self that you're comfortable with, but that doesn't actually involve any of the risk or sort of putting your heart out on the line or being yourself in a deep way that true self-expression would require. And for that reason, I don't think that self-expression, when it's in its sort of like peak um, form, is a egotistical practice. Um, If done in that deeply aligned, deeply connected way, then it actually should be vulnerable and risky and bold and admirable, kind of, because the reality is is that there shouldn't be or there presumably wouldn't be um, any certainty 
that what is being said will be accepted. And that's the risk. Whereas everyone else who is sort of echoing back and forth to each other, you know, they all seem very sure of themselves. And in a way they are because they know how uh, what they're saying will be received. Um, how it'll be received and what it'll make them look like and what group it'll align them with and all of that. Which, again, I kind of want to say, technically nothing wrong with. I'm not really criticizing it. Um, like, I guess there is, you know, value in having a sense of community and kind of maybe, I don't want to say joining group think, obviously, but, you know, sharing a set of values or ideas with others. You know, we are social beings in a way and relational beings, so I totally get that. I just mean, like, in terms of true self-expression, um, I think if everyone were doing just that on the internet, the internet would be a much quieter place and there'd be a lot less white noise and a lot less um, sound, basically. And I don't necessarily think that that willingness to be vulnerable is what makes the self-expression turn into a piece of art. Obviously, there's a little bit more there that needs to happen before it can be a quote-unquote piece of art. Not that I'm really, again, trying to judge or qualify what is art and what is not. These are very open terms that I'm not trying to um, create distinctions about or... Um, assert in any way. I'm just sort of trying to explore the difference between the two because culturally I feel like we do see there um, being one. And uh, But that being said, self-expression in that deeply connected way that I was talking about before, even if it's not art, I think could still be a service to someone else or could be a value to someone else. One, because it would pull them out of their own perspective and give them an opportunity to see through someone else's um, eyes, which would grant them uh, the possibility for empathy and the possibility for compassion, um, but also hopefully would, uh, you know, be the green light or uh, encourage them to do the same. Because, again, we are social relational beings who... Um, are eager to mirror each other and to reflect each other. And I think when someone does that and shares in a really deeply meaningful, you know, true way, it gives others the green light to do the same. And so in that way, it is a service. And in that way, it's not egotistical. It's actually... Um, I don't want to say it's self-effacing or self-sacrificing in like a martyr way because it's not but it's just someone who is um willing to put their heart out on the line or willing to put themselves out on the line um to be seen in a genuine way rather than blend in and assimilate into uh the larger group where they can remain safe and remain unseen um in a way that feels uh comfortable for them and I feel like that's why I'm so 
interested in this idea of self-expression as narcissistic or egotistical or something. It's because, like, I feel like saying that you sound really sure of yourself in a way that I don't think we can be. I don't really feel like we can be that sure of ourselves to call something that like that open uh, such a definitive in such a definitive way and try to define it like that. But also, I feel like you know, in terms of projection and in terms of um, criticism and judgment, I feel like before I call someone else's self-expression, um, at least someone's genuine and honest self-expression, before I call it egotistical or solipsistic or self-indulgent or whatever, um, I'd rather look inward and see if I've ever done that, if I've ever um, been willing to put myself out on the line in a deep way uh, before I criticize someone else uh, for doing it. You know, like maybe I'm criticizing them because I haven't been able to do it yet. And most of the things that I say uh, and uh, express are things that I've already heard and things that make me feel... Um, situated in a persona or in a self that may not be 100% authentic but feels safe and uh, before I criticize someone for having that freedom um, I'd rather see if I can find that freedom within myself Um, yeah that feels like a good place to end Um, and then here's a recording from E.E. Cummings that kind of touches on the subject that I really love anyways thank you A poet's advice to students. A poet is somebody who feels and who expresses his feeling through words. This may sound easy. It isn't. A lot of people think or believe or know they feel But that's thinking or believing or knowing, not feeling. And poetry is feeling, not knowing or believing or thinking. Almost anybody can learn to think or believe or know, but not a single human being can be taught to feel. Why? Because whenever you think or you believe or you know, you're a lot of other people. But the moment you feel, you're nobody but yourself. To be nobody but yourself in a world which is doing its best night and day to make you everybody else means to fight the hardest battle which any human being can fight and never stop fighting. As for expressing nobody but yourself in words, that means working just a little harder than anybody who isn't a poet can possibly imagine. Why? 
because nothing is quite as easy as using words like somebody else. We all of us do exactly this nearly all of the time. And whenever we do it, we're not poets. If at the end of your first 10 or 15 years of fighting and working and feeling, you find you've written one line of one poem, you'll be very lucky indeed. And so my advice to all young people who wish to become poets is, do something easy, like learning to blow up the world. Unless you're not only willing, but glad to feel and work and fight till you die. Does this sound dismal? It isn't. It's the most wonderful life on earth, or so I feel.